Ladies and gentlemen, we're not shoveling. This week, we'll be using the drafting board and the CAD program. This is the growing season brought to you by News Talks. So on 960 AM, I'm Matt McFarlane. Pleased to be joined by Jack and Lynn McFarlane, but to me, they are mom and dad. Boys and girls, how are you? Matthew, I'm really good today. Only one problem, I have numb thumb. Oh, yes. Mom? All from designing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it wouldn't be from picking his nose. No. no. Oh, I hope not. Yes, yes, I'm great too. Wonderful. This week, we're going to be celebrating spring. This is our part four in our four-part series. And we could theoretically do part 17 in a 17 series because holy geez. But this week, we're going to be chatting about a subject that for right now is really, really near and dear to my to my heart, my dad's heart. And uh, I'm sure my mom's heart because dad's talking about it. We are designing gardens and landscape spaces like absolute crazy. I have never seen it so busy. In fact, I attribute the busyness to the success of the radio show as, as well as our landline program, which is our stream show. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Dad, you were going to say something? No? No, I was just going to say, Matthew, that you're still a baby. You just you said you have never experienced this before. Well, um, I'm going to talk about it in this, in when we get to actually okay. talking. Okay. Regardless, it's absolutely crazy busy. So we thought in in part four of our Celebrate Spring series, let's talk about landscape design because we are landscape designing like crazy in the spring. Let's hope to get most of it done right now because I'm on sites very, 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 very near in the future. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. We are going to be talking about landscape design and we're pleased to be joined by Sharona Gorin of Sharona Landscape Design towards the end of the show. She'll be giving us her perspective on landscape designing. And this is The Growing Season brought to you by News Talk. It's 960 AM. Stay with us. back thank you for joining us and we know that you're joking us right here on the growing season brought to you by news talk talk at 960 a.m because our ratings are through the roof the podcast version of the show is absolutely crazed as far as the level of digestion we are having days where there is no less than three to four hundred different listens to various programs on the growing season i am astounded in fact we are getting so many different views from or listens from so many different parts of the world. Russia is chiming in repeatedly. I'm not quite sure why the heck this is. South Africa chimes in repeatedly. Mom, you were going to say something? I was going to say exactly what you just said. That's amazing, actually. It is. It's absolutely stunning. Let's just do a quick little rundown here, very, very briefly, of the week that has been in regards to the growing season, where people are tuning in from. Uh, Lenexa, Kansas, United States. I'm not sure where that is. Actually, Lenexa. Kansas, this particular person, it's all from the same IP address. They've been very active on our site. Where else is this week taking us? Cape Town, Western Cape, South Africa's chimed in. Kulakan City, Kulakan in the Philippines has also been chiming in. The United States seems to be a hot spot. Okay, this was a neat this is a neat No one. Ireland, Matt? Uh, not yet, anyway, that I've seen, but Nizli Norvgorod in Nizgorod, Russia. <laughs> Russia is chiming in like absolute crazy here. Uh, whoever's chiming in from Russia, and it's probably more than one person, we don't speak Russian. St. Petersburg repeatedly chiming Ooh, in. That's interesting. Yeah. Ancaster, Ontario. I know where that is. Chalabinsk, Russia. Stockholm, Sweden continues to chime in. Saratov, Saratov, Russia. Guys, we got to go to Russia. Are you, Apparently, are you even familiar with any of the zones for, say, Russia? No. And I'm frightened to know because on some of these, so for our listeners, again, growingseasoncanada.com is the website. Click on show bits. That's the visual accompaniment to the show. And apparently people in Russia are clicking on the visual accompaniment to the show. Well, you think of Russia, parts of Russia would have the same zone as us and uh, parts of it would be like Northern Ontario or our Arctic. So yeah, they could and relate to the us. The thing that frightens me about this is that, not, not frightens me, but it kind of excites me about this, is that I can see what they're looking at. Okay, and when I see them hit contact, even on our contact page, I am now waiting for the design the email coming boot to <laughs> the drop. design boot from Russia. Drop, yeah. Right? Can you guys? Uh, do you guys know how to grow beets? Yeah, man, we can grow some beets for you. But I bet it's not as nearly as simple as that, Matthew. There's no way that they're going listening to any of our shows. You know what they're like? It's just like no, no, and so. But and it's it's always interesting because you can begin to track people's activities, right? So. I go and look at, we had one come in from Milton, okay? Milton, Ontario. So I can go and look at, okay, so Milton has been on the contact page. 
and then nothing comes in. And then a couple days later, you see Milton is back on the contact page and you know that they're looking at the contact page and then they're going, okay, so should we contact these guys? And then they've gone and they've talked to their spouse and then they've come back and, and then eventually Milton contacts you and they're like, hi, we're from Milton. And sometimes in the email, I'll respond back with, yeah, I know. I've seen you all over my website. <laughs> you got to remember too that, uh, uh, from what I understand, a lot of the younger Russians speak English. They learn it as a second language. Absolutely. No, I, I'm excited. I'm excited about it because that to me is super cool. We did one in Scotland and Arizona keeps hitting the contact function on the website. So I would I'm, love to try to dust off my cactus knowledge, Matthew. You, you, that would be super cool. Can, can you imagine in place of your usual juniper upright or whatever it is? It's like, okay, let's, let's put a saguaro in. Or what is the other one? The Gold old, old lady. Old lady. Cactus. Oh, the old lady. Yeah. <laughs> So this dovetails wonderfully into our topic this week, which is, again, landscape design. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is the website. You can click on contact, and I know that you will because I can, I, can, I can basically watch you do it. And we have been doing piles upon piles upon piles of landscape design. So we thought that this is a wonderful way of capping off our series. And it's a subject that both Dad and I know a ton about that we basically don't even have to really – look at as far as research because we've no, done we, so much of it, right? We just dictate. Yeah. And one of the things that I wanted to make sure that I really impress upon our audience is this, is our way of doing it when it comes to landscape design is a very, very, my dad always taught me to practice, to practice passive sales. And what that means is this, I'll give you a perfect example. I had a client contact me early in January and she was very excited about getting a landscape design done because once spring hits, she wants to get out and get into her garden. Okay. And my usual spiel when it comes to a January design request is, listen, I can't get out and look at this property right now. Sometimes I will be drawing or I, I will be designing in January because I've seen these properties in the fall and I can begin to get to them. I usually, let's say I go visit a property in November. I won't, I won't get to it until after Christmas. Okay. But she was very excited. She wanted to have me on the site. You know, the instant spring breaks, please come out. And I said, listen, what, what I'll do is I will circle back. And when, when, when spring's here and when I can see your stuff and I'll come out. So I waited until this past week, sent her off an email. And she said, you know what? In the interim, since we've chatted, my, my husband wants to get the fence replaced. And we want to pour some money into some trees. Can we put the landscape design on hold? And my response is absolutely 100%. So with us... The landscape design is not the first step. Our first step is always a consult. And the clients ask why we do this consult. What's the purpose of this? Well, there are, there are clients that literally only want your ideas. And if you would like to, to have us come out, and, it, and there's a fee associated with the consult, if you want to have us come out and we just simply talk broad strokes about your property, here are the areas of concern, here are the areas that we recommend that you work on, that is a certain fee. 99% of clients after that consult want to take things to the next step, which is the design phase. We absolutely 100% never push that, that design. Wait, wait, wait. So if you were really motoring along and you were doing designs on a regular basis, how many could you do in a week? Now, are you just talking about I'm just about talking the basically what you're talking about right now. You're, a lot of them right now seem to be tiny gardens, right? Yeah, you know, I've been doing a lot more of those recently. Absolutely, yeah. There was uh, we had one in Peterborough. We have two in Toronto. We have one. I, I just did one in Oakville, which actually wasn't a tiny garden, but it was a spot that we weren't going to address that has now fallen onto the pile of things to address. I did one in Peterborough, and that one in Peterborough. Was, that's yeah, a tiny that's garden. garden, right? Yeah. So the point being is that I, I don't know how many I could do a week because what we do is different than what a lot of people do. What could you do in a week? You just you're literally talking about drawing it, or are you, are you talking all right? Let's about, make it simple for you. All you have to do is a pencil sketch with all the plant materials named, and make it a little bit artsy, but not too artsy. How Five or six? You? Okay, that's not bad. Yeah. Okay, so back in the past, Matt, I'm not lying to you. I used to do designing all over the place. Okay, yeah. so uh, we used to have, say, Glen Echo, which is basically traded hands up yeah. in our area. Joe Balo with Albion Nurseries. Uh, Charlie Santa, uh, who does the, who had uh, Sands Cold Creek Nurseries. So here's, here's what they used to do, Matt. Real, really tough on you. So every Mother's Day, every long weekend, they had design sales. Okay, so you would do a pencil sketch. Yeah. Let's say it could be a specific area underneath a window. 
next to a garage. It could be a bed out on the lawn. It could be a small front yard. Okay, so the de- design sales, get this, Matt. You would do these designs up for these people. Now, on a Mother's Day, because remember, they're giving these as gifts for the for our lovely mothers, okay? And so I remember doing about 30, 30 designs for Mother's Day. Your brain must be mush, man. Your brain is completely mush. Yeah. Then you get to the long weekend in May. Yeah. So the May long weekend, uh, Victoria Day. And we would do for we would do the Saturday Sunday part of into Monday, okay? Yeah, another sixty, okay. So you're doing in in May you're doing ninety designs, pencil drawings. Yeah, and I'm telling you, Matt, either you learn or you don't yeah. learn. Today, you know what you got today? You got the internet. You yeah. got all those lovely little pictures that yeah. you can refer now, to. Yeah, now here's the issue though: is with the internet, is this is all fine and well, and one of the things that I was somewhat concerned about getting back into landscape design was okay. So, is there even a market for this anymore? Because everybody has access to the to the internet, and yes, everybody has access to that level of information. But it's the combinations, it's the soil conditions, it's the what they call bloom phasing, right? Where you've got literally things fading out as something else is is coming in. I just did up a I did up a little hot tub area of a flower bed on an existing job that I'm going to be doing. Originally, it was supposed to be a bit of a smaller redo on the bed, and then the husband comes out and says, "Bomb it! Take everything out!" and I, and I and I want it completely from from scratch. That 19 feet long and uh, maybe nine feet wide at its at its uh, widest. So it's a bit of a teardrop shape. Okay. Anything canopy to be considered? Yes, yeah, spruce over top. Okay. okay, acid. Okay, good. So in that nineteen feet long by ten feet wide. So let's let's call it a what two hundred square feet. Okay. Okay, somewhere in there. I have four seasons of interest in two hundred square feet, and this is where yeah you can go on the internet, but it's the combinations of things to use. It's to be able to the average layperson would not be it would take them hours upon hours upon hours to go and investigate every single little plant and then drop it into that space and understanding soil conditions understanding bloom phasing understanding color scheme, style all of this stuff so this is where the landscape designer comes in and i was i am shocked now because this is not an inexpensive little proposition and i virtually get nobody nobody balking at that people understand the value of having a trusted professional say you know what this is what you should be putting in this area for your conditions for your zone for your soil type for your for your area okay wait a minute so if you were doing all of this okay just mentioned all these lovely words yep but if you had to pick something that was the most important thing of those ones you mentioned except you didn't mention this what would it be (sighs) of the concerns for what considerations before you even start what? Well, observe what's already happening on the site. Well, that's fine. But something even more basic than that. Okay, so you're talking to the owner after you've done this observation. Yep. And they normally would ask you to do a certain way of what you're going to, how you're going to approach it. Okay. Mom, right. what do you got? Is it style? It's style. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Style's going to define everything. And then you hit all those other ones. Yeah. Whether it's shade light, soil conditions. Are there any canopy covers? I asked you that question yep. right off the top. Yep. So you need to know that. What is that tree on the property going to do to the gardens that you're putting in Completely. in the first place? Or what what is that tree going to do 10 years from now? Or the right? root and the root system. Yeah. How is that going yeah. to affect everything you're doing? Yeah. That's really important. But Matt, everything that we do in, in as far as design, we've had I've had 46 years now yep. of practice. You've had I don't know. In the I don't know how many years you've been actually physically designing. I know when when you were a wee little feller, yeah, you would sit down with your little drafting board at the same time yeah. Pops was doing. His. I've been designing since my late teens. Okay, right. So I'm now 42, almost 43. But here's the big one, Matthew. When you go and you go inside your home, and it has a certain movement through the space. You have your your flooring is basically the same type throughout your your home and so forth. Your walls have a certain color. And then along comes you. You want to add a bit more color to it. Let's say it's on the bland side. Which, by the way, I hate the all this white and gray that's going on these days. But yeah. anyways, it seems to be a big thing. Massive. But now you yeah. come along and you throw your your pillows and your 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 drapes yep. and everything else into the mix. And now you're adding color to it. And we do that by using shrubs yeah. or using plants or whatever. Yep. But we used to have a, a close friend of ours who who died. Back, was it 2011 ish? Yep. 
And he used to say that we paint it with plants. Yep. I think that's a great way to put it. Well, it's you, you mentioned the, the colors, and it's funny. So for our audience, my wife is an interior designer. She works for a large design firm out of Toronto. And a uh, number of years ago, she, had, she, had, she was talking about me working through a color scheme. So what we do is we grab up a color swatch, and that usually ties into the color of the home. So let's say your, your home is a salmon-y color. We would take a color scheme that, that has salmon in it, and let's say on site you've told us that you like yellows, purples, and, and fuchsia. So, so I find a color scheme that's got salmon, yellow, purple, fuchsia, and that's how I pull the plants through. The one thing that she always says to me is she said, okay, but hold on a second, though. Don't forget to put green in the color scheme. And she's do right. You know, do you know why? Because green, everything is green. Well, no. Why? Because the, most plants are green. No. What? Well, the green is your flooring or your carpets. Well, I mean, it's no, that. It's strictly that, man. It, it's a, you bounce your everything else off of that. Well, it makes your gardens look terrific. But when you've got... Like, okay, there are very, very few shrubs that are going to continually bloom all year. Let's take a potentilla. That's that's an anomaly, okay? Let, let's take your hydrangea, and it does that. Certain ones, like the paniculata, will go basically midsummer into into early fall, okay? But the, the color of that shrub is basically green. Okay, so how do we have? <laughs> when right? the flowers green, are done, you're dealing green. with green. Okay, so right? how do we get around that? Well, you would add... You would add things that have different leaf color. Perfect. Different leaf texture. Yes. Right? So one of the things shape. that... Shape. completely. And one of the things that I cannot stand is, look, guys, if you've got a series of green... Uh, hydrangea is the big one. Everybody wants to use hydrangea these days. Do you landscape designers not know anything but hydrangea? It's crazy, the the, the level of hydrangea on sites. Or all your thuyas, oh, oh, there's your Latin alert, so and boxes, do, right, Matt? So what they do is if they don't... Okay, so nine times out of ten, they won't do anything ground cover below it, right? So they have your your uprights towards the back of the bed. Actually, they don't put the uprights towards the back of the bed. They put the uprights in the middle of the bed, and that's the bed. That's it. And if they're going to put ground cover, it's, wait for it, green all the time. So you have a green upright and, a, and green ground cover, and uh, none of it flowers. And then highly invasive stuff. Like, oh, it's just like uh, I had Pachysandra somebody, terminalis. I had somebody recommend Pachysandra lately, and okay. I was like, I don't even... Remember down in Oakville? I don't even know what you're... They wanted to do, replace their lawn with Pakistan. By, by the way, Matt, that's Latin alerts, but not about... Yeah, 17 times. <laughs> so here's, here's, a, here's a great indication when it comes... Or here's a great little story when it comes to design, okay? And I'm not going to throw the, this client under the bus in Oakville, but we were, we were in talks with a client last summer about they had a landscape design done by a different designer, okay? And what was happening was the big thing these days is a lot of clients want to see if, if they can get... It's so that there's no lawn mowing, okay? It's completely no mow, all right? One of the options is artificial turf, which we do not subscribe to. Why? Work. Because it's bad for drainage. It doesn't look like grass, and it's super expensive to, to put down. And it, it doesn't give us oxygen. No, there you go. And, okay. nothing. and how long does it actually physically last? I have, have no heard. I've I'm never not, checked in it. I'm not, part. yeah. So we get this design, or we were asked, quote, on this job to bid on this job based off somebody else's design and they had literally their entire lawn was going to be was it was proposed that they were going to do it in ground cover so they had pachysandra terminalis okay which is a japanese spurge this is a low growing shade loving ground cover i thought there was some ijapodium podagurium no there was none of that but there was vinca vinca was in there too okay so Clearly, this design was done by somebody that probably hasn't done many installations. And the reason why we know that is if you've done a ton of installations, you would know that in order to get that ground cover to do its thing, to cover the ground, you would need three years. Yes. Okay. In the meantime, when you have this ground cover that needs three years to basically cover the whole lawn... You'd have to weed your lawn. All the time. Constantly. Yuck. And we're not talking about a little lawn here. Okay? So the first thing that, that, that we do is we look at this and we're like, yeah, that's not going to work. There's absolutely no way. So the client was like, really? And we said, listen, you understand the level of maintenance that this is going to take for three years for you to get, you better to just put the sod down and cut the grass once a week. 
Or you know what, Matthew? They could have what they could have done is they could have defined certain spaces initially. So they could have taken yeah, right. little areas within their lawn. And, and by the way, they're, the then we go back to in. we go back to style again. Okay, depending yeah. on what kind of style they want. So if they want traditional or contemporary or whatever, you hear all these names that are thrown at you from indoor. Modern's the big one. Modern, which again, you, as soon as you move outdoors, nothing changes. It's still the same. Yeah. But Matt, one of the biggest errors that goes on within a garden itself is movement. Explain. Well, if you, in a lot of ways, straight lines are kind of the enemy, okay? And I see a lot of younger landscapers making this, making these same mistakes, okay? Everything is rigid, 90 degree, 90 degree, 90 degree, (laughs) rigid, 90 degree turns, and everything is very, very straight and to the point. And I understand, listen, on a front walkway, I get it. You want to get to the house, Okay, or you want to get to your front door. Okay, so obviously straight line makes makes some sense. But the more that you can get away from straight lines and curve things and cause things to move around corners, the more that you slow this person's journey through your garden down. As well as when my dad's talking about movement, he's talking metaphorically. What he's saying is moving a similar color or the same color or a similar texture of leaf or shrub or perennial in through the garden. So your little hookra, which is, okay, there's your Latin alert again, your coral bells, let's say you're using a Georgia plum coral bell. Okay. If you keep taking that same coral bell and moving it throughout the garden, it adds familiarity. You've seen it before. It also adds movement. It's you literally, it's like Hansel and Gretel dropping the breadcrumbs to get home, right? You're basically, it's guiding your eye throughout the garden. Oh, I've seen it there and I've seen it there and I've seen it there. My kids have these books where the author or the illustrator is intentionally, they put the cat on every page and the cat's in a different spot in every page and then the kids have to look for the cat. Makes them look at the entire picture. It makes them look at the entire picture. Right? It's the same as your garden. So something else you could do, Matt, is you could take a very low juniper, let's say a juniperous blue rug or blue carpet, whatever yep. you want to call it. Or the icy if you're brand If you want it, the yeah, icy is even new. better yet. Yep. And you move that through. And sometimes we'll take something that's completely different. We'll take something like a festuca ovina gloca, the, the little blue oak grass. Yep. And again, it's little guy, little Elijah. So Elijah is yeah. a good one, right, yeah. Matt? So we would take that and we would move it to various places of a garden as long as the shade light conditions yeah. were fine. Yeah, but but mom, this is for you. Let's even listen to your to your hubby over the years. <laughs> You've been talking what is about the this purpose long. of red and white in a garden? They stop your eye in the garden, and that's why a stop sign is designed to yeah. be red, red and white. And white. So, yeah. what about for the bee? What Never does the bee of think that. of red and white? Okay, so the bee sees in the bee doesn't see red and white, does it? No, it's in the ultraviolet. It's in the ultraviolet. It's the purples, the blues, that type of stuff. Just think of the sky, lawn, yeah, sun. That yeah, kind of idea, yeah. blue sky and so forth. But they also will see other colors, of course. But then but wait a wait, second. Wait a minute. Wait whoa, a minute. Just, no, no, no. Me? What about bee bomb? Fine. Because those suckers, there's red. There's red bee bomb. There's, bee-bomb. Just, there's just pink patience. and purple, too. But if you look, uh, they have a central bee. Most of them will have a bee. So they have a dot in it right. so that the bee can focus and pick up on it. Okay. And then it, as long as it has the proper landing pad and everything else, the bee's very happy. Okay. But Matt, we're always being asked continually about various things like hummingbirds and so forth uh-huh. and so you know the, the hummingbirds for instance they want it so that the colors are basically red pink orange yellow that kind of idea okay and so they because it's to do with the cones in their retinas and they can't really see other colors very well now that's why the hummingbird feeders are red always yeah oh, red yeah. or yellow or orange yeah. or that kind mm-hmm. of idea and so the idea is that you want to be able to make them see whatever you're trying to attract them right. by and if the same thing goes with the butterflies, they'd be interested to in colors, say, like red, yellow, orange, pink, even purple matte. But here's the catch. They want the tubes to be small so that they can actually, they don't have a very long proboscis yeah. to reach down and get. So you don't want to have a super, super long tube. So a daylily would not necessarily attract them because no. the, the interior is so long to get into. What about the wygelia? Would I, wygelia oh, and, and, and the hummingbirds as well. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, the hummingbirds Because the wygelia has got the, the, the trumpet-shaped flower, but it's not super deep. Yeah. Sure. Right. So Matt, let's just say that if you have a small yard uh-huh. and you want to do something to give the sense of expanse, yep. how, how would you approach that? Okay, so with the sense of expanse, what you do is, number one, let's say you've got, if it's a patio situation, you do not want to frame that patio. Why? Do not, because framing it creates borders. Right. And you want it, it to give the illusion that it's going on forever. Okay? And 
what we do is, so if you're doing an interlock patio, there's something called a soldier course, which is where you take- Or a banding. Or a banding. So you take, the, you can even do it with the same brick and you put the brick the other way or you use a different colored brick along the edges. If you're trying to create expanse, you don't do that. In fact, sometimes we don't even cut the edges of the stone. We let it just go out oh, into the line or whatever oh, in the bed. Cool. And that lets it, it feels like it's expanding. It's a trick that the Japanese do sure. constantly, as well as change the size of your pavers, right? Sure. So if you have a small space, use bigger pavers and it's going to feel like it's bigger because you've got these large pavers down. Also, change the color. Keep it on a lighter side so that it's not so dominant. Yeah. Uh, um, another one as well is, like you said, re- about changing the size of the pavers themselves. That's good. But put it on the diagonals. Put it on a diagonal. Yeah. And if you do this, you see, just laying out like a, a brick pattern that you would have on your home. Yeah, like a basket weave or whatever. It, yeah, It yeah. doesn't. And yeah. here, here's a big one, Matthew. Working with the verticals. That's a big one when well, you have small, tiny gardens, let's and say. And the other one, too, is this, is use perspective to your advantage. So make sure at a far distance that you're putting either a larger tree or something smaller and then closer you would do the opposite it gives you a sense of perspective right you're, you're beginning to mess around with sizing and we'll do that all the time on, on a job let's say we've got three different of the same type of shrubs but we're going to order them in like three different sizes sure because then what you do is okay so we're going to take the big nine bark i'm going to put it here and we'll take the smaller guys and you're going to instantly feel like well that nine bark's been here longer because it's bigger it's just a bigger size, that's all. And you do the exact same thing with all your perennials. You would also be able to have things blooming at different times. For instance, if you went with your larkspurs, and then you, if you wanted to get something larger further back, you could go with your giants. So yep. the idea is, Matthew, the thing is that you can take the same plant variety, but just change out the types, and you'll come up with something completely different. It's fantastic, Matt. She's Lynn, he's Jack, I'm Matt. On the other side, we're going to pick up exactly where we're leaving off. This is the growing season on News Talk. It's like a 960 AM. Stay with us. season on News Talk. It's like a 9.60 a.m. Follow along with us. GrowingSeasonCanada.com. Click on Show Bits. That's the visual accompaniment to the show. Okay, guys. Talk, so, we've, so we finished off chatting about perspective and different sizes of shrubs and all kinds of things. Where do we pick up here? So, Matt, you have to back up a bit. Okay. So when you go to do the design on your on for various people's properties, mm-hmm. be aware of all the structures that are existing. Driveways, walks, swimming pools, tennis courts. Sprinkler systems. There's a oh. huge one. And all utilities that yeah. are hiding underneath the ground that are going to bite you right in the ass. I'm sorry. Well, now, okay. <laughs> now, sorry. The utilities don't bite you until you actually build it. Um, so we have a certain percentage of clients that, that we don't build it. Although I would say 90% want to know if you can build it. And it's just time, right? Just like if I right now, I'm, I'm, I'm booked. Wait a minute. So what percentage would you say that you actually physically built? From the designs that you're doing. Um, okay, so the general rule is I try to pick, say, 20 projects a year. And my schedule fills up so fast. Like, if I if I took everything that came across my plate that was offered to me, I bet you I could build, I bet you I could, I could do 60 to 70 projects a year. And I just simply don't have time for that. So what I do is I take 15, 20, 25, depending on the year that are really, really interesting to me. Now, here's where my business model might be different than some other ones. Because I'm one of the designers and we have three McFarlands now designing, my father designs as, as well as my uncle Pat, because our design demand is just so high. Because we have that many McFarlands designing, I literally only install my own projects. And that's not necessarily that to say that I wouldn't in- install somebody else's projects. The problem is... Again, of all the designs that you're going to do this year, how many are you actually physically installing? Would you say 50%? Yes. I agree. I, I used to install about 50% yeah, of I think the so. designs. But Matt, when you're doing things, one of the most important things during your first thing about, about observation is to look at the house color. Why, Lynn? 
Well, you want to look at the house color because you want to contrast the plants with the house. Or compliment. Or compliment, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But you want them to show up. You know, you're spending all this money on plants. You want them to show up. Like, or you don't. Like, yeah. this is where, see, this is where, okay, so I have a design in Waterdown. And lovely little design, which I, now, granted, I'm biased, but lovely little design. And she has a, like, rusty red colored house. And what did she want as far as what was her color selection? Champagne, which is like a, I, I consider it to be like a, a light gold white yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Okay. Red, pink, and fuchsia. That's very pretty. But, but with a red house. With a red house. So what you got to start to do now, now we're dabbling in different reds. Okay. Yeah. So what I did is along the side of her house, she has the typical like overhang, nothing really happening on the side of the house. I put Rosa Sharon, but I, but I put pink. It's a, what they call Azuri Rose Satin, Rosa Sharon. I did pink, but the throats, the throats of the flower are the same red as, as the house. So what you're getting is it's tying into the house, but the pink is pink enough, different enough that, that it will pop. But you would think that on a red house, the, the, the client wouldn't want red or pink. And that's exactly what she wanted. But you know, Matt, for the most part, yellow or orange or something like that will actually make an area pop. It will complement yep. other colors, especially your, your purples, reds, blues, anything yep. else you could possibly think of. I know I got called out on something. I put up a Joseph Coates uh, climbing rose and somebody said, well, I, Lynn likes pink champagne clematis. And she said, yeah. well, couldn't you pick something that would complement each other better? And I'm thinking, well, if you go to the color wheel, the color wheel, you'll see if you go right across, you'll see exactly where I'm picking this color yeah. up and how well, I'm complementing it. And this it. is one of the things that my wife showed me is that the color wheel is not just and I'll, again, growingseasoncanada.com, click on show bits. You'll see I've posted different color schemes. And she said, yeah, the, the color wheel is not simply here's purple, go all the way across and here's what complements purple. They're getting involved in triangles now and squares. So this color, you draw a line over to here, down to here, down to here, and you get four colors. They're calling it like split complementary. They're calling it like triad colors, all this stuff. I had never seen it before. And then she said too, remember that what you don't want to be looking at is just this orange. What about the family of oranges, right? And you can get these color wheels that are even more in depth. And it isn't just that orange. It's this orange and this orange and this orange and this orange. So the issue becomes cool. where design gets bogged down sometimes is, is you're like, okay, so which orange am I using? And we're getting into those specifics. Like I, I just specified some sombrero coneflower. You'll see it on the on the show bits right here. And there are other versions of orange coneflowers, but they just didn't work with what else with whatever I had going on, right? So you, you start to get into like which orange or which purple. But you know what, Matt? It isn't just purple. No, yeah. 100%, Matt. But generally speaking, if if you have a sunny area, you would normally go with the hot colors, okay? Yep. Yellow, oranges, reds, so forth, okay? And what looks so cool is if you have a sunny area and you don't, and you go with the, I agree. the cool I've, stuff. I've had it, Matt. Okay, so then again, the, the shady areas would be your, your blues, pinks, whites, Purples. and so yep. forth. Mm -hmm. And But Matt, it doesn't always work that way. And the idea is that if you could take yellow and put it into a dark area, yeah. Then that really fires it up. Okay, that yeah. makes it pop completely. Yeah. But Matt, everything is about bouncing off of colors or, or complementing a color or, or contrasting a color. It's all to do with that. But in the end, it comes down to most part, most of the time, Matt, sun, light conditions. Okay, sunshade, that kind of idea. Yeah. A lot of it. And of course, taste. You do something long enough, either you, you are, are good at your job or you become exceptionally <laughs> poor at it and nobody ever calls you. Yeah, mom. If these are pointers for designs, the other thing you want to take into consideration for the client is how much time does he or she have to spend wow. in the garden? Good, good. Perfect. Great call. Absolutely. The number one thing that we hear, actually, yeah, this is the number one, and the number two is pets. But but the number one is low maintenance. Sure. Okay. Now the, or no have, maintenance, or, which just doesn't <laughs> exist. Uh, but Asphalt. We, yeah, green. yeah, it's, yeah. But we have we have clients now that are saying, no, I want to get out in, into the garden. So where you would think that you'd have a client that would shy away from, listen, I don't want that. That's a little finicky for me, right? I 
don't put don't put clematis in. I don't know what type it is. I don't know when to print it. Don't put hydrangea in because I'm never going to see the stinking thing bloom because because I'm because I'm not sure where to print it. Don't put a Japanese maple in. We have some clients that are that are on the other end that say, listen, put that finicky thing in because it's going to force me to get out there and mess with it. Do you know what, right? man? I remember when I was first starting in design, I had uh, one of my customers, and you would know this person. Yeah, mom will mom will know right away. Was that Ruth Woolwick? She said that she disliked junipers, Virginiana, Skyrocket, Skyrocket, Juniper. She hasn't had an aversion for them. We don't plant and them anymore. No, we don't plant no. them anymore. We have so many other options that we can go to. Thank and God. by the way, in the next show, we're going to talk specifics, okay? Yeah. This is generalizations. But Matt, the idea is that we've had another customer who says that she finds yellow disgusting. Offensive. Because yeah. she, she said that growing up, her, her parents, all they wanted to do was... Use yellow on everything, okay? Right. And yeah. she said that she actually finds it disgusting. Yes, Lynn. This is another one to take into consideration. And Jack, you had an experience with this. Plants with emotional connections. Oh, big time. Okay, <sighs> explain. Well, I had a customer in the Bramley area, Bramley Woods to be exact. And uh, we were doing the actual landscaping in the backyard around the pool. So we were, you know, working away. And so she came uh, and asked me to come out front and would you please have a look at this plant? So she had a Prunus triloba multiplex. Flowering almond. Really old. Okay, really old. Like older than me, Matthew. It was old, okay? I know. I know. Old. <laughs> That's, it was over 900? I yeah, was going to say, you know, damn. It was, it was <laughs> old and woody, just like me. Nicely <laughs> <laughs> done. But Matt, anyways, she was very connected with this plant. And I, I'm telling you, Matt. By the way, like, they're beautiful. Sure, when they're, when they're in good shape. Yeah. But this thing was probably 25 years old or so. Yeah. And so anyways, it, it's life expectancy is generally in the 10 to 15 range. So, unless is, you do. so she was connected. This is that cat that's 24 and disintegrating. Yeah, you know sure. what I'm saying? You're yeah, like, sure. that cat's old. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. she, so she asked me, she said, do you think that you could do something with this? And I'm looking at this and my first thought is hook a chain to it and pull it oh, out. That was my, I didn't say it to her. I, you know, and I'm looking at this and I'm, she's kind of teary eyed. And I'm saying, well, why are you so connected with this plant? And she said, well. My father and mother, when we first moved into this home, which, by the way, that's a long time these days, people staying in a home for, say, 25 years. Yeah. And it was a, it was a housewarming gift. And my father died three months ago, and she wanted to know if I would see if I could, you know, bring this thing back to life. And I thought at the time, oh, geez, normally we wouldn't bother. We'd, we'd just put another one in. But she had this connection. Yeah. So we it's ended up. this plant. To this plant. So we, Can you coppice it? We coppiced it. Okay. And then I told her we dug down with a spade. We added fertilizer and everything else. Did, to you, make tell it, her to, did you tell her, listen, you need to get out of the house for the day? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like you need to, yeah, well, the plant gets its treatment. Well, yeah. Like this is, we have one in Brampton with the spruce where it's got to come down. Yeah. And I told her, listen, you get it. We're going to, as part of the job, you're paying for your, a, 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 like a spa day. You got to get out. Sure. So, <laughs> you don't want to be around to see what we got to do to this. <laughs> so besides this thing being ugly and on the woody side, which that isn't me anymore. Yep. Uh, <laughs> especially the especially the latter. Latter part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Matt, I did do the coppicing. I dug around it. I put manure around it. I did the whole bit. What did it do? And so anyways, about three months or so go by. I get this phone, phone call. call and she says, you got to come down and see the... You know, the prunus trilober multiplex, the double flowering almond, okay? And I said, okay, so we went down. I said, first of all, I didn't want to go down to see a shrub that I probably killed or, <laughs> you know? And, and Come I, and see your handiwork, you damn murderer. Uh, I know. <laughs> and so, Maddie, I went down and I, I had a look. The plant looked amazing. Okay, now, she comes home and you've coppiced this thing and it looks like a rangy, rugged stump in the middle of her flower bed is she losing her mind no trust. did you warn trust her? did I you warn her, her? did you say to her this trust. thing is gonna look complete like trust matthew and that's what that, really that, bad don't you notice that that is a big deal okay when you're dealing with clients especially in design it's all about trust so anyways i did this and the funny thing was about it matt it came back it was beautiful and i don't know well, how many it, years more it survived all it probably needed it just needed a little bit of it needed a little bit of some uh, some you know aggression right it needed a good shave it needed a major shave. <laughs> but you know what, Matt? After that, I, I started. they started kiddingly calling me Dr. Jack because I ended up, I yeah. was able to, to bring this thing back from the, from the brink. But normally, Matthew, we would not, okay? If the shrub is overgrown no. and if it's over 20 years old, we would not do this. But just, just as a general rule, I am not, we are not 
rippers and terrors. Not at all. Like I have a job in the Oakville area and it's a, it's a townhouse supplement. I, so I'm going to work with what's there, but it's got like builder junipers on it and it's got some builder nine barks and builder this and builder that. Right. And all that is just an expression that this is what the builder planted. And I'm going to tear out some of it, but I, I just can't, I just cannot for f- just ethically tear all of this stuff out. And it's in really nice shape. No, and you just it, can't. You just can't do it. No, and we generally would leave if if it's got any sort of worth and value. Yeah, we will leave it. Okay, yeah. but Matt, we we have the one coming up. We, I have to do the design for you in Bramalee. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of existing uh, plant materials, materials that are and on beautiful site. and nice and, shape. and nice shape. So it's co- complete wrap around front and back. Yeah, so but we're going to supplement. We sure, just have to, but you have to go in. And by the way, that is the hardest way oh, to approach doing when they've a already design. got existing stuff. Oh, yeah, and well, you got to we got to make sure that you can work with what is existing on the site. Perfect. Sharona us now, Sharona Gorin of Sharona Landscape Design. First of all, fantastic name, Sharona. You like my parents gave me Matt. All right, no, <laughs> you got Matthew. <laughs> you got Sharona. Sharona, what is your background? Where, where does this like? This is the my first case of actually hearing this name like for real. Yeah, um, my background is uh, it's Israeli. It's a Hebrew name. What <laughs> I are you grew f- up in Israel? Yeah. What are you doing here? I immigrated to Canada actually in an older age. I was uh, in my 27th year when I came here. And I've actually also never gardened before that. So when I arrived in Canada uh, and after we got our our landed immigrant uh, approved, we bought a little house and it had a large yard. And that's when I started gardening. So um, I am proof that uh, gardening is for everybody, and uh, if you take truly, you know, interest in gardening, uh, you can get a lot uh, done and uh, gain a lot of knowledge. Matt and I, for the most part, we actually tried to learn on somebody else's dime, <laughs> not, not on our own. That's, that's the secret. Yeah, make your mistake on somebody else's property. <laughs> Sure. But when when Matt and I would go into a job site, we would look at the various conditions and so forth. But we always find that one of the biggest mistakes is that people don't look up. They don't look at the trees around them. And so we find that because of that, they're they're actually putting the wrong plants in the wrong conditions because that big tree is changing the shade light conditions. Right, Matt? Well, okay. so the, the, the issue that I find and I'm not sure, Sharona, if you've ever had this experience, but I had a client last fall call me in and want to want to talk about design. And the leaves were not completely off the trees yet, but they were starting to fall. And that completely adjusts your whole perception of the shade light conditions on the site. In fact, this this client site and Lasha, if, if you're listening, I'm, I'm talking about your place. Mm-hmm. Sharona, this this place was so shaded. It was it was nighttime at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Like I'm wow. talking that dark. So first thing I said to the client is, listen, I'm not trying to spend your money here, but uh, well, you were. You need to get an arborist in here and start taking. I think they actually pulled 30% of the upper canopy of the trees off because okay, yeah. this was darkness. Absolute, absolute wow. darkness. But dad, like you're, like you're so right in that if you're in there looking at this person's property in late in the fall and you're thinking about design over the winter, that's great. But understand that... <laughs> Those shade light conditions might not be exactly what you're seeing, right? That's a microclimate that, you know, you got to deal with. And that's the thing. That's the fun thing that every time there's something different to deal with, different conditions and different, you know, the light comes in different parts of the day. And um, you just try and um, match the right plant for the right site. That's it. We had a client over in in our area off, uh, I think it was the Gore Road, and she had a, a very small garden per se as as far as most of them that we're doing these days but on her one planting bed she had approximately five microclimates going on and it was so amazing that you could go three four feet from one end of the bed to the to say move in inwards from the edges and all of a sudden the whole microclimate would change so you would have to adjust to you know everything from soil conditions to light to everything that you could think of and it was absolutely amazing on such a small property and it could have so many microclimates, right, Matt? Yeah. Amazing. It's, yeah, it's and I, I do a lot of small uh, urban, uh, you know, yards. So small spaces uh, can have lots of microclimates. You have fences, you have neighbors' homes, and na- the neighbors' trees, and there's a lot to, to 
consider, definitely. Okay, so so Sharona, being someone that is recently into this, what has been the most eye-opening experience? Has there been one thing where you're like, okay, definitely won't do that again, or definitely have to do that again? Yeah, well, actually, um, that's funny that you asked. So the first design that I did right after I graduated from my landscaping program, uh, the day after I graduated, uh, it was the beginning of COVID and everybody oh was in lockdown. And this, uh, this couple, they were really eager to get out and they wanted me to send them the design. It was a do-it-yourself, but I, they knew nothing, absolutely nothing about gardens. They've never gardened before. So uh, I had to send them all the coaching, the instructions, the measurements and and list and, and order the plants for them and so on and anyways um yeah that was an eye-opener because uh they wanted it simple and they wanted a lot of grasses and so i've never designed with grasses before i don't use grasses I've, since then i do but before that i never used grasses in my own garden so um i did it uh the simplicity that the customer requested made me do something a design that was so crystal clear, so so um, organized that it made the property. They just loved, like it, it blew us away. When when I drove by to see after they planted, it was just unbelievable. And that's what what made me think, oh, I have to continue doing this. This is what I I have to do for a living. That's I awesome. I just. Yeah, it was amazing. So it got you, got you outside your comfort zone, in other words. It did. It did. And um, it, and the, the grasses took so well. Um, the movement, just the airiness. And, and, um, the sound. Yeah, it, 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 it was amazing. And just how they love it. And it's funny because the couple now spend time outside uh, in their garden. And now she's like, oh, I love my flowers. Now she wants more flowers. So they get back to me and, oh, do I have space to put, I like this shrub. Do I have space to put this? And now they're getting into gardening and they're coming back for more. So that's pretty neat. So I found that. Over the years, we've been asked as well, grasses seem to be, ornamental grasses seem to be catching on these days. But for the most part, we're, we're staying away from a lot of the things like ribbon grasses, so the phalaris, for instance, because oh, they're yeah. so highly invasive. But Matt and I both in, incorporate a lot of... Um, Blue festuca. Festuca, oh, ovino, Sharona, I, Sharona, I would marry one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> they're so cute. And, and you know what? They don't get... They're not invasive, and they don't take over no. the garden. And they give you such an unusual color because they're a xerophyte, They right? are the bumblebee of grasses. They're just little plump things. All they want to do is just be oh, cute, sit they in be garden. Blue. Just, yeah, I want to be blue. How are you feeling today? Kind of blue. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, you need that, that the color. You can't beat the color. And then you need that low layer, right? Something. Yeah. At, yeah. That, at that height. So that's great. You know what's interesting, yes, too, them. in that we... We seem to be using less and less and less annuals these days. And in fact, what is taking over is things like things like um, blue festuca, things like those types of things where maybe 20 years ago we would be using more annuals in places that were super low level. Right? Well, I think we're becoming way more experienced with using perennials, for instance. I'll give you a story here, a quick one. Uh, going back in the 70s or so when I first started out in this, I remember the, the nursery, they had an area for perennials, they had an area for annuals. Well, the area for annuals was about 10 times as big as the area for perennials because people were not comfortable working with perennials, knowing bloom times and how long they bloom and you know long bloomers and so forth. So we ended up, after a while, I started to notice that all of a sudden the annuals weren't quite as many anymore. The perennials were, became a larger number. And today, if you're very fluent in speaking perennial, then you can go on and create some absolutely wonderful projects. Right, Matt? I agree. Actually, I worked uh, in the summertime in a really nice uh, uh, garden center. And all the, oh, I was like in the perennial. I was in charge of the perennial area. We had one side that was all for sun. The other side was all shade. And there were so many, so much variety. And then the back was all grasses. Uh, there was one side, all ground covers. Oh, it was a dream to work there. It was just, uh, there's something that you could do that 
to perennialize your, you know, your garden uh, for every for every uh, condition, in, season. Your, in every need, every season, and to fill all these niches and all these needs in the garden. What I really like about perennials is they keep on giving. Once they get to a certain age, you can split them. So when you go and buy your perennials, buy one you love because you're going to have the joy of being able to Making spread babies. it around. Yeah. Lots of babies. Lots of babies, right? Yeah. Sharona, if people want to find you online, I mean, how do they like, go about doing that? Yeah, I have a website. It's sharonalandscapedesign.ca. Um, and uh, I'm also on social media. So um, it's the same thing, Sharona Landscape Design on Facebook, Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You were excellent. Just, just great. Yeah, thanks okay. for giving us your time. Yeah, very informative. Thank you. Many thanks to Sharona. She's fantastic. Actually, you know what, Matthew? We're firm believers as McFarlands to basically pay ahead, right? Pay forward? Yep. Forward. Yeah. So we want to make sure that somebody who's starting out in the business, and if they have act absolutely amazing talents, that we want to stress well, yeah, that. Yeah, and, and you know what? Listen, like, if you're a poop and, and I don't want to work with you, <laughs> I don't want to help, right? But we have our leg in the door with this stuff, okay? We, we've, we're fairly well known in the industry. So it just said, because of sheer... Volume, uh, repetition, size. over and over and over again. Sure, that yeah. we, we become good at what we well, do. Well, this is why, too, when you see people talking on Facebook about, hey, plant this, plant that, and you and I are shaking our heads, it's not because we're shaking our heads because we're looking down or being judgmental. It's that we've probably planted this on somebody's site and it didn't do well. Don't don't ever do it again, uh, Austrian pine. <coughs> <No>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the Latin for that one, Matthew? Pinus nigra. Pinus gross. Yeah, yes, terrible. I, actually, I had a long, lengthy conversation with uh, one of our listeners about Austrian pine recently. She's Lynn. He's Jack. I'm Matt. This has been the Growing Season. GrowingSeasonCanada.com is your website. You know how we end the show. We always end the show in a very, very similar fashion. Guys, check this out. Here's a gardening rule for you. When weeding, the best way to make sure you are removing a weed and not a valuable plant is to pull on it. If it comes out of the ground easily... <laughs> It's a valuable plant. Oh, I'm happy for <laughs> I tell you, man. Oh, yeah. Do you know why that is, basically? Why? Well, because especially if you're putting them in new, just think about that for a minute. Yeah. When they're, they're already kind of, they're, they're soil bound or pot bound, right? Yeah. And so that's the biggest thing. And so when you're going to pull on it, and especially if it's really expensive, I'm telling yeah. you, I can't tell you how many times I have pulled plants oh, and oh, back in. Me too. And then yeah. it's a quick yeah. job with the trowel and yeah. a bit of water. And back in she goes, Mom? Till next time, have a good one. And please be safe. Jack out. If you miss any part of our show today or any of our earlier broadcasts, don't panic. Just log on to our website at www.saga960am.ca backslash podcasts and look for and stream our podcasts of this show and any of our other great programs. 